0: I'm not one of those preachers that really gets into the end times. You know what I'm talking about? Some preachers, you may see them on TV, and they're all about the end times all the time. It's like, you know, and, and they've got huge charts and all kinds of diagrams about, you know, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then Trump's going to get elected, and then Jesus going to... Oh, no, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Shame. Shame on me. That was bad. That was bad. That was bad. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> do over. Um, but no, no. So they seriously—it's like you, you'll see preachers and stuff that get all excited about the end times, and 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 and, and I'm not one of those guys. I, I mean, I'm 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 all for it. I, I'm not I'm not like pre-millennial or post-millennial. I'm pro-millennial. I'm 100% for the thousand-year reign of Christ, whatever that is. But I, I mean, when it comes to the end times and stuff, I, I just really I don't get into it. I, in fact, I I know how the book ends. I, I've read Revelation. I know how the book ends. Jesus wins. I mean, that's all I got to know. That's all I got to know. I, I, can, I, I can sum up the book of Revelation in four words. What? Oh, yeah, four words. Jesus wins, stay faithful. That's what the whole book is about. And no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter who, who comes on the scene, no matter what kind of persecution may break out, Jesus wins, stay faithful to Him. With the whole, I mean, I'll save you millions of dollars. Because you can buy millions of dollars worth of books on Revelation. And and they're all going to tell you the same thing, Jesus wins, stay faithful. That's what it's all about. So today we're going to continue on in our series uh, through the book of Mark. And in Mark chapter 13, Jesus starts talking about things like the end times. And so we're going to talk about that today for about the next 25 minutes or so. And uh, we're going to talk about how, uh, what are going to be the signs of Jesus' return. Now, if you haven't been here before, if this is your first time or you haven't been here in a while, we've been studying the book of Mark on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights on uh, every weekend since the beginning of the year. Uh, And we're almost to the end. We've got three weeks to go uh, until uh, Easter weekend. Now, just so you're aware, we have five services for Easter weekend this year. Uh, There is a Saturday night, two Saturday night services at 4 o'clock and 530 and then Sunday morning we have an eight o'clock early service, a nine thirty, and an eleven o'clock service. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little clue. I'm going to hint you in on something here. Before the eight o'clock service, at seven fifteen we're going to serve breakfast. So it, yeah, I know, right? So if you show up early for the eight o'clock service, you can have breakfast with us. Now, that being said, don't you dare. Show up at 7.15 for breakfast, and then come to the 11 o'clock service. No, no, no. Brandon already told me that he is going to revoke the salvation of anybody who does that. And I didn't know that that was part of the associate pastor's duties, but apparently it is. So, just kidding. But in all seriousness, yeah, we're going to have breakfast from 7.15 to 7.45 for all the 8 o'clock folks. So come early, grab, grab some breakfast, and let's worship early together. And uh, and then uh, we'll open up space for people at 9.30 and 11.2. Um, so that's what's going on with Easter weekend And then after Easter weekend we're going to start a new series called This Is Us And it's all about who we are as a church and our core values and the things that we value here And so if you're interested in learning a little bit more about GFCC and the things that we value I encourage you to come back for This Is Us uh, after, we study the, after we finish up the book of Mark So uh, that's where we're going over the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, next several weeks um, uh, But for today we're in Mark chapter 13 Uh, If you brought a Bible, grab it and turn to Mark 13. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 825 of that Bible. Uh, Or you can follow along on the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, search for GFCC in your app store, whether it's iTunes or Google Play. Uh, You can download the church app and you can follow along uh, with the Bible verses as well as you can fill in some blanks toward the end of the message. Uh, and the app is a great way to keep up to date with what's going on here There's a calendar on there and you can give online through your app It's, it's a great uh, tool to have to keep up to date with what's going on here at the GFCC. Um So in Mark 13, we're going to actually do something today that we haven't done yet throughout the book of Mark And we're pretty much going to read the entire chapter It's one of the shorter chapters in the book of Mark It's only 37 verses and we're going to read about 20. Uh, oh, about 33 of them today because it's all Jesus teaching about the signs of his return. And I don't want to miss a thing and I don't want to paraphrase it. I, I want to get it straight from Jesus' mouth. At uh, in, in the very beginning, in the first four verses of Mark 13, uh, Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to leave Jerusalem. This is Wednesday of the last week of Jesus' life. And so they're getting ready to leave Jerusalem. And as they're leaving, Jesus' disciples take note of the size and the, the beauty of the buildings in Jerusalem. By all accounts, Herod's temple uh, in Jerusalem was one of the most beautiful buildings in antiquity. And it was huge. It covered 35 acres. It was a monstrously large building. It was huge. And it had gigantic stones. And in between the stones were, were gold inlays. Uh, I mean, it was beautiful and it was valuable and and it was enormous. And the disciples are, are taking notice of it. And they said, what marvelous buildings. What, what beautiful architecture. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. There's coming a day when not one stone will be left turned on another. When not one stone will be left on another. This, All of this is going to be gone. And the disciples are confused by this. And as they leave Jerusalem, they go up to the Mount of Olives. They're about a, a mile outside of Jerusalem. Four of his disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, come to him And ask him, Lord, what will be the sign of these things? Uh, How do we know when these things are going to happen? And this is how Jesus responds. We're going to read the rest of the chapter here in little pieces. Uh, Look at verse 5. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Now time out real quick. That word watch out, those words watch out, that's a Greek word that literally means to watch out or be on your guard. And it's used five times in this chapter. And so anytime you see the words watch or watch out Or be on your guard It's that same Greek word And it's interpreted those ways Verse 6 Many will come in my name claiming I am he And will deceive many When you hear of wars and rumors of wars Do not be alarmed Such things must happen But the end is still to come Nation will rise against nation And kingdom against kingdom There will be earthquakes in various places And famines These are the beginning of of the birth pains so Jesus uses uh, 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 the, sto- uh, the illustration of a woman about to give birth uh, to show that um, what it's going to be like before his return and before these things happen. He's talking about how Jer- Jerusalem would one day be destroyed. Uh, and he says, You're going to hear of wars and rumors of war. You're going to hear of famines and earthquakes and things like that. He's like, Don't be deceived. Uh, Many people are going to come in my name. They are false messiahs or false prophets or false teachers. Don't be deceived by them. And and the interesting thing about this uh, is that uh, they lived in a time where, you know, they didn't have the Internet back then. And so news was not available at the, you know, snap of a finger, the click of a mouse. they didn't see that kind of they didn't have that kind of information it would take sometimes weeks or months or even years for someone to hear about a war in another location another part of the world or a famine in another part of the world it, it, i mean they just didn't have that kind of information availability and, and so jesus says you know these things are going to happen and and you're going to hear of these things don't be alarmed by them and don't be deceived by them the end is gonna it's just a sign that the end is coming verses 9 through 13 you must be on your guard there's that word again you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues on account of me you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them and the gospel must first be preached to all nations whenever you are arrested and brought to trial do not worry beforehand about what to say just say whatever is given you at the time for it is not you speaking but the holy spirit and get this brother will betray brother to death and a father his child children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death everyone will hate you because of me but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved so jesus is now he's still talking about what's going to happen in the end time this is the the beginning of the birth pains and you're going to see families betraying one another uh, you're going to see you know, fathers turning in their children or, or children turning in their parents which if you're a child it may not seem that far fetched um, but you're going to see all these things happening and, and just stand firm until the end again that whole thing about what I said about the, the summing up the end times in four words Jesus wins stay faithful that's what he's saying stay faithful to the end stand firm to the end and, and I love Uh, what jesus says about um you know uh don't worry about what you're going to say whatever say whatever's given to you is not you speaking but the holy spirit that the holy spirit is going to be with you that i will be with you in the person of the holy spirit i'm not going to abandon you i'm not going to leave you i'm not going to forsake you even if persecution comes i'm not going to abandon you And, and and when he talks about being handed over to the local synagogues and and to the jewish leaders who would flog you and beat you that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter five, check out this: They called the apostles in. These are the Jewish leaders of the of the Sanhedrin. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Now, a flogging was when you were beaten uh, with thirty nine lashes. Uh, sometimes people didn't even survive a flogging. So then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name they left the sanhedrin after being flogged after being beaten within an inch of their lives they left the sanhedrin rejoicing Uh, i i don't understand that i mean that is incredible love and dedication and loyalty to jesus to say you know what I, i was beaten within an inch of my life and i'm i'm celebrating because i was counted worthy to suffer for the name of jesus We consider it suffering when they put pickles on our sandwich. We ask for no pickles at McDonald's. We feel like we're suffering. And some of you are like, yeah, I I hate pickles. But that's not suffering. This is suffering. When you're beaten within an inch of your life for Jesus, and they go on their way celebrating and rejoicing because they've been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. It's amazing faith. It's amazing loyalty. It's amazing allegiance. We need more of that we need to be like that so we keep going now in verses 14 through 19 uh jesus is going to switch gears a little bit and he's going to talk about what's going to happen before uh, jerusalem is destroyed look at verse 14 when you see the abomination that causes desolation i'll tell you what that is it's when the romans invaded judea and they surrounded and laid siege to the city of jerusalem All right, this is the abomination. It caused everyone to flee. Desolation meaning they were going to leave the place desolate. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Oh, the other thing they did is they went into the temple and made sacrifices to Zeus. (laughs) No good. Let the reader understand and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house or to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. When the Romans invaded Judea, and they laid siege to Jerusalem for four years, from A.D. 66 to A.D. 70. For four years, they surrounded the city. And in A.D. 70, the adopted son of the emperor Vespasian, his name was Titus. And Titus went into Jerusalem and destroyed the city. And remember how I told you how there were gold inlays between the stones? Literally, they took every stone, and they knocked every stone off of everyone to get the gold between the stones. And so what Jesus says way back uh, in verse 2, Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. everyone will be thrown down. It came true in A.D. 70 when Titus uh, destroyed Jerusalem. And it was such a horrible uh, thing when they laid siege to Jerusalem and they surrounded the city, nothing getting in, no one getting out, no food getting in, nothing, that people turned to cannibalism in order to survive. And there were false prophets and false messiahs saying, come on, I'll show you the way out of the city. And there was no way out. Jesus says, don't believe those false messiahs. Don't believe those false teachers. Don't believe those false prophets. It it was so bad that parents were literally eating their babies. It was that awful. That's how desperate things became. And then Titus, after he destroyed the city, crucified thousands and thousands of Jews outside of Jerusalem. The Romans... Don't, don't glamorize Roman society or Roman culture. They were awful. I mean, we watch a movie like Gladiator and, oh yeah, Maximus. Oh. No, they were horrible. It was a pagan society that was completely opposed to Christianity. And, and Nero, I mean, if you've ever heard what Nero did to Christians, like he wanted lights in his garden at night. He wanted to light up his gardens at night. And so he would coat Christians in tar and tie them to poles and set them on fire. So that he could enjoy his gardens at night. Using human torches. Christians as human torches. This is the Romans. I mean they fed Christians to lions. It was, it was awful. What they did to Christians. Jesus says unequaled since the beginning of the world. And, and, and when we glamorize that. Oh Roman you know the Colosseum and all that. No that's where Christians died. That's where they put them to death. Because what did Jesus say? What did he say? Everyone will hate, verse 13, everyone will hate you because of me. Everyone will hate you because of me. And things haven't changed much, folks. If you want to know, if you want to see that fulfilled, that those words right there, go, go read an, a religion or a Christianity article on CNN.com. Go to CNN.com, click on their religion page, and read any article about Christianity. And then the article may be fair and balanced a little bit, but read the comments about how people feel about Christians in our society. Read the comments about how people feel about Christians in our in our country. We are not the home team anymore. We used to be the home team, right? Like, everybody loved the church, and the church was great, and everybody loved Christians. We're not the home team anymore. We are almost the enemy I mean, things have gotten really, really bad the way people feel about Christians in our society. And it's only going to get worse. Bummer of a message, Sean. Thanks. I didn't say it. Jesus said it first. Jesus said it first. Everyone will what? Hate you because of me. And so I'm just telling you right now, persecution comes, don't be surprised. Oh, but we have freedom of religion for now. You know, for now. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. But we know this, everyone will hate, hate you because of me, Jesus said. Everyone. It's terrifying. Verse 20. If the Lord had not cut short those days, again, this is the destruction of Jerusalem no one would survive but for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen he has shortened them at that time if anyone says to you look here's the messiah or look there he is do not believe it for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect so be on your guard i have told you everything ahead of time jesus is telling us this is what's going to happen be on your guard verses 24 and 25 but in those days following that distress now he's switching gears again he's talking about the end times and he's going to point to some celestial signs that are going to happen he says the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And he's pointing to prophecies, Old Testament prophecies that talked about these things. Uh, Prophecies from like Joel and Amos and Isaiah and Ezekiel. And they talked about these dreadful signs and the dreadful day of the Lord that was coming and the signs that would be in the heavens and the skies. He's like, you're going to see these things. Just be prepared. Know the signs. We'll talk about that in just a second. Verse 26. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, when he talks about this idea of the Son of Man, he's talking, uh, he's referring to an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Daniel wrote this, "...in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man." Now, in other words, he's talking about a human being. And this is Jesus' favorite way to describe himself as one like a son of man. And when he talks about the son of man, he's, he's referring back to Daniel 7. There was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was led into his presence. He, the son of man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And so he's talking about himself. When Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, he's pointing back to Daniel chapter 7. That this is Jesus that Daniel sees. Being led into the presence of God. And every nation and every tribe and every tongue and every people group. Bowing before Jesus and worshiping Him as the Son of God, as the the ruler of the universe, everyone will worship Jesus because He's Jesus. He's the Son of God. and And so when Jesus comes back, says every eye will see Him. Everyone's going to see Jesus coming on the clouds. And I'm here to tell you, I I don't believe in a secret rapture that like all of a sudden all the Christians are just going to disappear. You know, no, what Jesus says, you know, on the plains, you know, anybody read the Left Behind books? I read them all. Anyway, um, so we're not going to disappear. It says every eye will see him. Then when Jesus returns in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says his return will be both audible and visible. And everyone will see Jesus coming on the clouds in power and glory. Everyone will see him. And then too late. Make up your mind before that day comes. Make up your mind if you're going to follow Jesus or not. We'll talk about that in just a second. Verse twenty-nine, twenty-eight. 28. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it, the end times, uh, his return, is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So Jesus is saying, it, 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 scholars aren't quite sure exactly what he's referring to, uh, whether when he says this generation will not pass away. Uh, it may be that the generation that saw the, the events of, of uh, AD 70, that they would not pass away an, until those events happen. Or it may be that the events uh, of, that Jesus is talking about returning, when he returns, those events, that w- the generation that sees those initial events, that they will not pass away. In other words, it's not going to be a long, drawn-out period of time when these signs start and jesus comes back it's going to be a relatively short amount of time the generation that sees uh, the initial signs will see his return as well Um, and so again heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away know the word know the words of jesus we'll get into that in just a second we're almost done but about that day or hour verse 32 but about that day or hour no one knows who knows no one knows. Remember that the next time somebody gets on TV and says, Jesus is coming back August 31st, 2035, I guarantee it. No one knows the day or hour. I, I mean, wouldn't it be weird if that happened, though? Like August 31st, 2035, you're sitting there watching the Cubs or something, watching the White Sox, go Sox. You're sitting there watching the White Sox, and all of a sudden, and Jesus starts coming back, and you're like, wait a minute, what day is it? August 31st, 2035. Didn't Sean, in that sermon, wait, oh my, he was a prophet, we never understood, we never, we didn't pay him enough. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen, but you know, just in case, just in case. So, um, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, there's that word again, be alert, you do not know when that time will come. And there are four things that you've got to know about the return of Jesus and the end times and and what's going to happen. And four things you've got to know based on Mark 13. First is you have to be ready. You have to be ready. If you're following on in your app, that's that's the first blank right there. You have to be ready. Because Jesus could come back at any time. It's not meant to scare you. It's not meant to scare you into making a decision to follow Jesus. It's not meant to scare you into getting baptized. It's, It's the truth. Jesus said, you don't know when I will be coming back. I've left you some signs, but you do not know when I'm coming back. So you better be ready at any time. And, and that means two things. One, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you haven't put your faith and trust in him by believing in him and turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith, getting baptized. If you haven't been baptized yet, you need to do this. You need to get baptized. You need to make a decision that you're going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. Don't let him come back. Without you making that decision to follow him. Secondly. If you are a follower of Jesus. And you put your faith and trust in him. Are you living like you're ready? Are you living ready for Jesus to come back at any time? Are you telling others about him? Are you inviting people to church? Are you living a faithful and consistent life. uh, Of holiness and righteousness. Or are you still uh, giving in to temptation and sin. As though it doesn't matter. Are you living like a child of God? Don't. Don't wait Don't wait You have to be ready Secondly, do not be deceived Do not be deceived Know the truth Read your Bible And you may come from a tra- tradition that says No, 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 you don't have to be read your Bible We'll tell you everything you need to know No, 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 it's okay You can read the Bible And I encourage you, read the Bible Read the Word of God Know the word of God. Know the truth. What did Jesus say? Know the truth and the truth will set you free. Know the truth. Know the Bible. Do not be deceived. And the only way you're not going to be deceived is if you know the truth. So read your Bible. And it's, it's okay to read it. In fact, if you got one, you should be reading it. Oh, well, where do I start? Start in the book of John and then just go from there. Start John, read the book of Acts, and then read the book of Romans. Right there, that'll that'll keep you busy for the next six months. But read the book of John, read the book of Acts, read the book of Romans, and then read First John if you if you get bored. Read First John; it's a great book, my favorite. Anyway, um, do not be deceived. Know the truth, because if you know the truth, you'll be able to spot, spot, spot a, a counterfeit. You'll be able to spot a phony, just like that. Know the truth. Read your Bible. Third. Know the signs. Know the signs. Pay attention to what God says. Pay attention to what the Bible says. And pay attention to what's going on around you. Know the signs. That when Jesus comes back, you'll be prepared. You'll be ready. You will not be taken by surprise. You will not be sleeping. Know the signs. Lastly, this is the most important. Remember who wins. Remember who, who wins. Jesus wins. And if you're on Jesus' team, if you're on Jesus' side, you win too. So remember who wins. Jesus wins. So be on his team. Be on his side. Follow him. And you will win too. When it comes to this whole thing about the end times, you know, it can be real tempting to try and figure out what. When is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? And, and what does this sign mean? And what does this imagery mean? You got to know. All you got to know is Jesus wins. Jesus wins. So stay faithful to him. Stay on his team. And, and persecution may come. Stay faithful. Hardships may come. Stay faithful. Difficulties in life, the attack of the enemy. Stay faithful to Jesus. Because Jesus always win.